0: Hey podcast friends, it's Vanessa and Kaylee and we're back with another week of The Struggle is Real
1: because we know the struggle to talk about mental health and be mentally healthy is real. Remember how we talked about like respect and communication relationships and how relationships are very important to our well-being and how relationships with our parents, partners, friends, coworkers, even every stranger in our life that we encounter basically are just super important for our well-being in our life. Unfortunately, we've not evolved
0: to the point where we can just communicate solely with emojis. That's like
1: the dream, though. We still need those damn words. <laughs> and unfortunately, maintaining these relationships is impossible without some kind of, like, respectful communication style. I what would happen if you say...
0: Hold on, we're all about mental health, so why would we be talking about respectful, assertive communication? Communication
1: is actually super important for your mental health for a couple different reasons.
0: Being able to respectfully express your needs is key to having a healthy relationship. Which is good for your mental health. Ta-da! Hopefully you listened to last week because that's what we told you. <laughs> and every communication style will have different ramifications for your needs and wants and relationships as well as on the other person.
1: Mm-hmm. And therefore impacts your relationships and well-being. So the better you are at communication, it allows you the chance to have better relationships and therefore better well-being, mental health, all those great things. Oh my God, it's just like a circle. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Another thing is that being able to
0: assertively communicate how you're feeling or what you think. Is really important to being confident to speak out against stigma. Mm-hmm, exactly.
1: We have kind of like based this entire The struggles Real project on like breaking down stigma and increasing just overall awareness about mental health problems and mental health in general. And the only way to do that is to communicate with people in a way that doesn't make them feel like attacked. Because if we just like went around telling people they were stupid, they wouldn't listen to us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. They would actually probably feel pretty crappy and it wouldn't change
0: their behavior at all.
1: Exactly, and actually, science because we love bringing science in whenever we can. Science actually shows that when people feel that you just like come at them really aggressively, it actually just reinforces their beliefs because they're able to just discount you as like a a rational person that they shouldn't listen to. So unless we can communicate ourselves really calmly and assertively, we're never going to convince anyone of anything. Mm -hmm. So if we can convince people to change some of their stigmatizing
0: beliefs, that's good for everyone's mental health.
1: All right, so there's three kinds of communication that we want to cover today that are kind of like the three most like foundational ways that you can communicate with people. And obviously
0: we give them fun names. So the first one is a passive pat. Mm hmm.
1: So the goal of this style of communication is just to kind of like ensure the happiness of others and just avoid conflict at any cost. These are the peacekeepers. Exactly. And it basically kind of sends that message to yourself and others that like my things don't really matter. Only yours do. My thoughts aren't important. Yours are the only ones really like worth listening to. Like I'm nothing. You're superior. Like it's just kind of like that doormat feeling. Mm -hmm. People with this communication style typically tend to experience
0: a lot of anxiety about expressing their feelings, their wishes, their opinions. And this is where this social anxiety kicks in. We're kind of worried that we're going to be rejected or negatively evaluated. Anxiety is this really future focusing. What if I, you know, say how I feel? This person's going to think I'm
1: an idiot or this is going to be a huge social disaster and I can never show my face in society again. Mm -hmm. And probably it really isn't based on any evidence. It's just based on our fear that these things could happen. Mm -hmm. So this is what gets in our mm mm-hmm. Mhm. When we think about a passive pat,
0: what you can usually look for is a person making statements in like a quiet kind of sl- quiet voice being like if you think so, whatever you want is fine. No, no, no problem. I can take care of that. And if you do express your opinion, often it's like, oh, I'm really, I'm really sorry. Is is that fine? Is that fine that I exist?
1: (laughs) And they usually look like they're trying to take up no space in the world. Mm -hmm. So like having their head down, kind of looking away, slumped body, like like a, like a, an aversion to making any kind of like eye contact. It's just like a very submissive posture. So why is this bad for your mental health? Well, not expressing your needs and wishes
0: and feelings. It's just not good for your relationships. Mm -hmm. You're not getting to be your genuine
1: self. And we know that genuine self is pretty cool. Absolutely. And science tends to show that people can tell when people aren't being their genuine selves. And it makes them very uncomfortable. So people get the sense that you're suppressing some of your feelings or opinions or needs or whatever. It makes them very uncomfortable when they can tell you're not being upfront about those things. Mm -hmm. They would rather know what you're feeling and thinking if even if you disagree with them mm-hmm.
0: because you're being your genuine self exactly people want to know what's going on they don't want things to remain under the surface no when you let people walk all over you and you just kind of give in to whatever you say often anger and resentment builds up and up and up and up And then one day it might come
1: out in like a very aggressive way. Absolutely. Passive pet gets aggressive. Exactly. Imagine if you like had a garden in your backyard and dandelions kept popping up. If you just kind of like cut the dandelions where they meet like the dirt, the root system is actually getting stronger and stronger and stronger. If you think about that, it's like your thoughts and your feelings. Your thoughts and your feelings are actually just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. You're just not letting them like exposed out into the world. So when those dandelions keep popping back up, they're actually just going to be more and more and more and more until you actually deal with the like underlying problem. Until there's a dandelion apocalypse and no one is safe. And it's your fault. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It also
0: damages your self-esteem because the more you just kind of give into what everybody else thinks or wants and feels and don't respect what you feel, then you start to believe that you don't matter and that you don't have anything important
1: to say or feel. And that's not fair. Absolutely, absolutely. You can probably tell that we don't want you to be a passive pat. Absolutely. Is there a time and place to sometimes be a little bit more passive and kind of let people take the wheel? Of course. But in like the major relationships in your life, probably that's not how you want to be. Can't be your go to. Say something I'm
0: giving.
1: Alright, our second kind of communication is like, if you picture like a spectrum, this is like on the other end of the continuum, this is aggressive Alex. And when you have some kind of like a uh, communication style that's very aggressive, you tend to believe that really only your needs matter and the goal of your life is basically just to get whatever you want, no matter what the consequences are and how they affect other people. Bitch, but I have my
0: money. you should know me well.
1: If you think about
0: aggressive Alex standing in front of you, <laughs> this person's communication style is going to be characterized by shoulds or musts and, or language that should suggest that everyone is required to just
1: meet the needs or opinions of that person. You okay. gotta, you have to, you must. Exactly. And these aggressive communicators also tend to kind of like ignore the boundaries of personal space, <laughs> like standing too close to you or getting up in your face. It's not, not always like a very pleasant conversation to have. hmm And why is this bad for your mental health? <laughs> well,
0: again, it damages relationships. Nobody wants to be on the other end of aggression. It's a really gross,
1: icky feeling. Exactly. And it also can damage the self-esteem of the people around you because you just make them feel like they're inferior to you. You're almost like forcing the people around you to be passive pets. No <sighs> one wants that. Stop. Stop. Cause it all nothing all There's nowhere left to fall When you reach the bottom
0: Well, good news (laughs) is that you don't have to be an aggressive Alice or a passive Pat as like your general style of communication. Mm -hmm. We can save you. Exactly. And we just want to take a moment to recognize that the communication style that we really like, and that's really great, is
1: an assertive Adele. Mm -hmm. Because you can probably guess, Adele is probably such a great assertive communicator. Yeah. She is not afraid to voice her opinions and feelings, even in front of like a studio audience of a bajillion people. Biggest concert ever known to man, the bajillion person concert. Exactly. So we're going to mirror ourselves after an assertive Adele. Exactly. It's beautiful. This communication style can be summed up by just being like direct and respectful. So that means that you stand up for your rights, you express your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, but you do so in a way that's direct, honest, and appropriate, and in a way that's not violating someone else's uh, personal rights. The goal of this type of communication is mutual understanding. So both people matter. That is to get and give respect. Mm-hmm. And the basic message of this like assertive communication is, hey, this is what I think. This is what I feel. This is how I see the situation. And you're saying all these things without making any kind of like value judgments about whether your opinion is more important or better or whatever than someone else's. It's almost like a very like just factual reflection of the situation. Like, hey, these are some things that I've noticed. This is how I feel. How do you feel? Seems so simple, hey? That's so beautiful. And one thing you would notice about an
0: assertive Adele is that when they're talking, they make good eye contact. They look at the person they're speaking or being spoken to. They lean into the conversation. They're generally interested in what the person
1: has to say. And they take like a relaxed posture. They're just having a conversation. So being assertive doesn't mean that you're necessarily just going to like get whatever you want. It's all this magic key that just gives you all the things that you want. Uh, You might get a compromise out of it and you might be able to get some kind of like successful resolution with the person you're talking to, but sometimes it might just not work out. You might not get anything. And unfortunately, you can't really control how that other person is going to react to your beautiful assertive (laughs) communication style. You can only control what you say and how you say it. And most of the time,
0: people feel positive just being able to express their wishes and opinions, regardless of the
1: outcome. True, true. It's like just that magical feeling of just getting things out, just saying them out loud. Mm Mm-hmm. And- you doing that action tells yourself that you matter. Mm-hmm. If you can express your opinions, it means that they're important and they should be respected. Exactly. And if you are assertive and you try and use this beautiful, wonderful communication style and you're met with either aggression or the person's just really passive and they're not willing to engage with you, um, if you just keep returning to that assertive communication style, even if you guys have to rehash this, this conversation you know, a couple times, hopefully it will at least keep things from escalating. So it's really hard to get angry and become like an aggressive Alex when the person across from you is just being really calm and just being really factual. It kind of like prevents the other person from getting really upset. And you're also just providing a good role model for how you want to communicate with someone you're basically Mm -hmm. setting the tone of like this is how we're going to talk to each other we're not going to be rude we're not going to be overly passive or overly aggressive we're going to state our feelings state our needs and wants and that's how we're going to communicate it's beautiful it's so nice you're basically just being like the grown-up in the relationship (laughs) Okay, so you're probably wondering like what this really looks like. So I have an example for just you. Just off the top of your head. Just off the top of my head. I just happened to have an example I'm getting right now. Um, so the example we have is imagine you're at home and you're like a bit younger, so you're in high school again, and you have a brother. I don't know if you have a brother in real life, but in this example you do, so just come along with us. So you're at home and your brother's there, and your parents have gone out for the night. They're Who cares what they're doing? They're out. doesn't matter. Stop asking questions. They're doing stuff. <laughs> so you're at home and you are... Uh, Your main goal for that night is to study because you have a big test coming up or whatever and so you're like great I'm going to go to my room. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to wake up early I'm going to do all this stuff life's going to be great But all of a sudden you realize that there's like lots of noise coming from somewhere else in your house And you open the door to realize that your brother has invited like the entire high school over to have a giant party so if we take a, step in a second and just kind of reflect on, like, what are your needs here? Because the main thing about communication is just communicating your needs. So your needs in this situation are being able to study because you have to write this test that's coming up soon. And if we take a second to reflect, your brother probably also has some needs of, like, other than being a bit of a jerk, having, having all these yeah, having all these fun, hanging out with his friends. So going into this conversation, remember that you need to focus on... Being calm, communicating your needs, and not making any judgments on whether or not your needs are more important than someone else's. If you went in there like an aggressive Alex, what you might do is just like storm in the room, start yelling at everybody, like kick them out of the house, (laughs) call the police, just like be super angry and tell your brother that he's a real big jerk face and you hate him so much and you can't wait until you never have to see him again. That's like pretty aggressive. And what are the odds in that situation of getting um, getting your needs met? Chances are you might, everyone might leave, but also depending on how your brother feels, he might be like, screw you, I don't care, I don't have to listen to you. And so like chances are kind of like 50-50 that your needs might get met there. And the downside of this is that you've now just like kind of jeopardized that relationship with that person because you've basically just stomped all over their feelings in any way. If you were a passive pat in the situation, though, you might just not say anything. You might just stay in your room and be super pissed off, not get any sleep. And the problem with that is that your needs are 100% not being met. Like, there's no chance your needs are going to be met. And probably whatever test you had is not going to get studied for. It's just not going to happen. So instead, if you listen to this podcast and decide that you want to be a super assertive person and you just walked in and used all these beautiful assertive communication skills and just said, hey, like, these are my needs, uh, I really need to study, I have this test tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully, if your brother also is super cool and listen to this podcast, he'd be able to c- respond back. And be like, okay, cool, like, what can we, how can we compromise? Like, I'll send everyone home at midnight or something like that. Or you know, we'll stay in this side of the house or whatever it is. But hopefully you guys can have some kind of um, compromise.
0: Alright, now we've convinced you that being an assertive Adele is good for you, good for your mental health, and good for the people around you. But it's a hard skill. Don't sweat it, though. You can learn it, and we have some helpful tips to get you started. There's this great acronym to help with assertive communication, because we know how much Kaylee loves them. They're pretty much my favorite thing in the entire world. But luckily, this one is much easier to remember than
1: (laughs) HMHP plan. No, not even that. There's nothing wrong with HMHP. I still stand by it. I think it's great. Well, would you like to introduce the acronym? Sure. Really? <laughs> sure. Why not? I'll be the captain of the ship. All right. The acronym for assertive communication is LINE. Like L-I-N-E. And you can remember this by asking yourself, like, are your conversations in line?
0: Drum roll. We're going to tell you
1: what what all the words are. So <laughs> L. L is for location. I
0: feel like a cheerleader. <laughs> the worst cheer ever. So is this the time and place to have this conversation? It's not always the best time to have any sort of conversation, even if you are trying to be assertive. Mm-hmm. And so can you, should you wait and address these concerns at another time? Are there people around? Sometimes you don't want to call somebody out or have a conversation when everybody's around. They might feel attacked. Um, is the person really busy or upset or doesn't really have the
1: time to kind of engage? hmm And also keep in mind, like, are you upset? Like, do you need to take some time to cool down and collect your thoughts before you say something? Remember, a really key and, like, probably the most important part of assertive communication is that you have to be calm and being able to communicate yourself in, like, a very rational, calm way. Because like we said, if you're just, like, angry and throwing your voice at everybody, no one's going to want to hear it. Yeah, you might think that you're being an assertive adult, (laughs) but you're actually screaming
0: at everyone. Exactly. And remember, like, you can, when you're feeling really upset – or a really strong emotion, you can be stuck in a lens and not even know it. So maybe just taking taking a step back um, mm-hmm. can get yourself out of that lens. And so you have choices in this situation. Maybe if you're not ready, you can leave the
1: situation, give yourself some time to calm down, um, or talk about how you feel. Exactly, so for example, imagine you're out with like a group of friends and uh, a really close friend of yours says something that's like actually really hurtful to you and like they didn't realize it, they thought it was a joke it might not be super appropriate to call them out like right in the middle of that group hangout or whatever. Alternatively, along the same lines, maybe you're hanging out with some friends and someone makes like some kind of comment that's just like super degrading about mental health and makes some kind of like stigmatizing comment. Again, it might not be best to call them out right then. Maybe you can wait until the next day and be like, hey, can we talk about the thing that happened last night? Alright, so the I in line is using I statements. Number my me my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I, want, what I see. You probably remember this from like elementary school, because I do. I statements basically just describe how another person's behavior makes you feel. So for example, when you showed up late for the meeting today, it made me frustrated because I could have been doing extra work. You'll notice that like a key uh, part of I statements is that you're not making any judgments about like what the person's intentions were or like reading their mind or what their thoughts were. You're just saying only from your side of things, hey, here are some facts and here. I'm, this is how I'm feeling about it. Mm-hmm. If you start a sentence off with you, it comes off as a judgment or like an attack. Mm-hmm. And then
0: people get very defensive. If you're like, you need to stop that. You don't value my friendship. You're a bad friend. If you can imagine someone saying that to you, mm-hmm. you start coming up with reasons why that's all wrong. And you,
1: and your emotions, like, start rising. Mm-hmm. So you're much less likely to actually listen to what the other person is saying. So the formula to create an nice statement is quite simple. All you need to say is, I feel blank when you blank. So I feel upset when you, or I feel hurt or dismissed or neglected or whatever emotion you want to substitute in there. You can break out your thesaurus and like get some, get some words in there. I feel upset when you show up late for things because I feel like you don't care about me. Isn't that beautiful?
0: It's beautiful. So simple. So simple. It's a formula. The N in line is needs. So you have to figure out what you need in this situation. What is the solution that you're looking for? if you don't know why you're, like, upset or what you need or what you want to be changed, you might just end up saying mean things instead of focusing on what makes me upset in this situation and what do I actually want to see change. You might just be like, well, you're an idiot and I hate you and you do bad things. Yeah, it's basically getting in a car and just driving and, like, not having a plan
1: of where you're going or how you're going to get
0: there. So in deciding whether this is the right time and place, make sure you know what your needs are before you start communicating
1: them. (laughs) So, for example, um, I would like you to help me with... X, Y, and Z, or I need you to come on time more often, or I really need you to understand why I'm upset, blah, blah, blah. Basically, you're just explaining explaining to the person, like, this is what I need from you right now. Yeah, so we're not saying you have to help me with this. No, you need to come on time more often. Exactly. And the key thing here is that when you communicate things like this, it's just reducing the like possibility of there being like an argument coming out of it. Because when you say like this is what I need, you're not saying you have to do this, or you're, not, you're basically not giving them anything that they could argue about. It's just like this is what I need. They could say no, but it's just just so nice and calm. It is just factual. Just there's the facts, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Conversations don't have to be scary. Alright, and the E from Line is evidence.
0: You want answers? I think I'm entitled. To you want answers! I want the truth!
1: You can't handle the truth. So like I was just saying, you just stick to the evidence, stick to the facts. So when you're talking to someone about some kind of situation, stick to the facts of what has like actually literally happened and why it upset you. And Try to avoid putting any kind of like labels or judgments on that specific behavior. So avoid using words like always and never. So instead of saying like, oh, you're always doing X, Y, and Z, saying it really upsets me when you X, Y, and Z.
0: Mm -hmm. Remember, everyone has a different perspective on every situation. When you use you statements, you're basically speaking for the other person. But that's not very respectful. You're not respecting that they have their own interpretation on the situation. Don't frame your
1: interpretations as objective facts on the situation. Mm -hmm. So for example, maybe your friend has a bad habit of arriving late for all of your plans, and this time they've shown up 20 minutes late for a lunch date you guys had. Instead of saying, you're so rude, you're always late, you don't respect my time, you could say something like, we were supposed to meet at 12, now it's 12.20, and I have to get back to work in 10 minutes. A big deterrent to using this kind of communication is that I think a lot of people actually really enjoy, and sometimes this is myself as well, the feeling of like getting mad at someone. I mean, like you were a jerk and I want you to know and I want you to realize how shitty you were. But you need to remember, and this can sound like a little bit like vindictive me, but you're actually more likely to convey that and convince someone that they did something bad if you say it in a calm way. If you say, like think about like when your parents were mad at you. If they were just like yelling and being like, oh, I am like getting really angry, you're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But when you sat down and they were like, I'm just so disappointed. That is the worst thing (laughs) that a parent could ever say to you.
0: This is what your behavior did to me. It made me disappointed.
1: Exactly. That's what you're doing. You're pulling the disappointment talk on the person you're talking to.
0: Yeah, and the person that you're talking to, you want to invoke feelings of, like, compassion and empathy, mm-hmm. not, like, defensiveness or anger. Mm-hmm. And so using assertive communication is the way to get the response that you really actually want out of the person. Exactly.
1: And so another way to kind of remind you, if you're having a hard time convincing yourself to use assertive communication, try and remind yourself of what your goal is during that, during that talk. So if you go back to, like, Passive Pat and Assertive Alex, if your goal is to be mean to that person, then you're gonna revert back to that like aggressive communication style even if you want to use assertive communication. So if your goal is to be like, yeah, I want that person to feel crappy about what they've done, I want them to like suffer and feel bad, then yeah, you're you're gonna have a hard time convincing yourself to use assertive communication. The same way if your goal is just to avoid dealing with it you're gonna just use revert back to this like passive path. So, remember that with assertive communication style, the goal is to resolve a problem. And mm-hmm. if you remind yourself over and over again that the goal here is to resolve this problem, and I'm gonna do what it takes to resolve this problem. I don't necessarily want them to feel like garbage and feel like a horrible person. I just want them to know what happened, to know how I feel about it, and then move on then that's really going to be the motivating thing to like keep you using this communication style.
0: Mm -hmm. Because our goals really should be to repair a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that you can move on and have a healthier, better relationship. And it's probably a really good indication if your goals are not that
1: in that moment. (laughs) Yes. Then maybe it's not the time and the place. Exactly. And that's when you call up your bestie and you're like, listen to this and you tell them all the horrible, crappy things that person did. And then now that you're nice and calm and you've got all of your system, you can go have that attitude and beautiful, assertive communication. Yeah, you can start to like whittle it down and be like, okay, why am I actually
0: mad? What are the specific things that they did that made me so upset? And what do I want it to look like in the future? Mm-hmm. All right, so remember use line, location, I statements, needs, okay. and evidence. Okay, we're going to switch gears a little bit on our assertive communication talk and talk about stigma and how assertive communication can help us with stigma. Mm -hmm. So it can help us talk about our own mental health struggles. It can help us feel confident to ask somebody else about their struggles if you notice that they're having them. And it also helps you to talk to people about how to speak about mental health or anything really, like anything that's stigmatized. in a a non-stigmatizing way. Because it's really difficult, A, to talk about your own mental health struggles, to ask somebody about theirs, and to call somebody out, I guess, or have a conversation with somebody who you think is speaking in a really stigmatizing way. These are really hard things to do
1: and it's a skill that you have to develop to be able to do these things. So don't mm-hmm. feel bad if you're not doing these yet if you don't have the skills to do so. Absolutely. It's much more difficult than like sitting at your computer and like trolling people online and telling them how bad they are and how they use the wrong language. Having to have that conversation face to face with someone is like light years more difficult.
0: More difficult and also if you're able to do it has such a more such a profound effect on, on that that person absolutely, absolutely
1: <clears throat> okay. So, when you are trying to basically call someone out or, or be upfront with someone about how they're behaving or acting or whatever, uh, it's important to remember to approach these situations with compassion. People who say kind of crappy, negative things about mental illness or anything else are not necessarily bad people. We hope not. We hope not. They're probably just biased. And like we talked about before, we all carry biases with us. We all have things that we just like don't really realize are influencing how we think and act and behave.
0: Even people who study mental illness, have mental illness, or work with people who are struggling might sometimes say stigmatizing things and it's okay because we're human absolutely we just have to feel comfortable at pointing those things out to people in a really kind respectful way so they can notice
1: and and do better in the future Just reason i was at a conference and someone was talking about how they gave this big lecture recently and someone came up to them afterwards and said i just you know don't don't want to embarrass you i just want to let you know that you actually made a really racist uh, comment and they explained what it was and it was this like turn of phrase this like um like a saying that they didn't even really like was actually if you thought about it was like accidentally racist i guess you could say uh and they were so embarrassed and they were so glad that, that person brought that up in a really like direct and calm and assertive way because what they could have done is been like wow you're a piece of crap yeah that person's
0: really racist and then yeah go and tell everyone like oh, this, I want to go see this talk and this person's really racist. Um, instead of kind of giving that person the benefit of the doubt and being like, I'm sure this is a good person who just has the wrong information. I'm going to do the kind, respectful thing. And even though it's hard to go up to someone and say that, mm-hmm. being really brave to do that. Absolutely. When we're in situations where, let's say, we hear people speaking about mental health in a really, really like stigmatizing, negative way, it can create a lot of intense emotions for us mm-hmm. it either might make us feel really aggressive really angry that that person is speaking that way or it might feel, make us feel kind of embarrassed or wanting to basically like avoid the confrontation yeah and just being feel bad about what that person said and so we can be an aggressive alex or a passive pat a lot of
1: times in this situation mm-hmm But basically what we want you to think about is if like the person that I met at this conference, if you said something that was like accidentally stigmatizing and and kind of hurt someone's feelings and someone was going to correct you or let you know what you did, how would you want them to do it? Would you want them to just yell at you or not tell you? You probably want to know. So we just need to assume that people want to know these things and then convey it to them in like a really kind and heartfelt way. Like not a shaming way. Exactly. Because imagine...
0: Imagine a time when you've been shamed about something and how horrible and gross you felt. Exactly. Like you felt like disgusting and it probably just made you feel terrible about that thing. It made you feel like a bad person. But remember, if you if you do these things, you're not a bad person. You're just not well informed. Exactly. Or maybe you are a
1: bad person. We don't know. Yeah, to be determined. We'll let you know. Also keep in mind that when people feel really shamed and feel like a garbage human being, they're actually way less likely to do anything about that. Versus if you build someone up and remind them how great they are and just that they have to make this tiny shift or tiny change, way more likely to do it. Because remember, as soon as a person feels attacked, the message is going to go out the window. You're allowing them to focus on the messenger
0: instead of the message. Using those same techniques, like using those lines to figure out how you want to approach that person and bring that up. And remembering, is this the right place? Um, I noticed this thing that you said and it has this certain kind of connotation or it makes me feel this way or it makes other people feel this way. Is there another way? Is it possible in the future not to say that in front of people? Mm-hmm. A really great example is <clears throat> a lot of people um, still use the word retarded. Oh my God. That's not an appropriate or acceptable way because it's been, it's not used to refer to some sort of diagnostic criteria. It's used in a really negative way Mm -hmm. and you still hear it a lot. And every time I bring it up with somebody when they've said it, they're usually just, they usually have no idea that that's not appropriate anymore Mm -hmm. or it's so part of their, their vocabulary that they don't even stop to think about it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll tell them and I hear them say it again and again. And each time they're like, oh my goodness, thank you again. I just totally forgot. And it gets better and better. And so telling somebody one time might not be enough because it's so ingrained in their mind that they just forget. And so getting comfortable just calling people out um, in a really respectful way.
1: All right. So as usual, because we care about you, we have a challenge. And this week's challenge, we
0: want you to figure out what kind of communicator are you? Are you a passive Pat, aggressive Alex, or are you a an assertive Adele. Oh, God, Adele or aspiring assertive
1: Adele that's yes. my, That's a new category. Adele in training <laughs> and remember that you need to evaluate uh, the kind of communication you use basically in every single relationship you have because it's very uncommon for someone to have one communication style and just use only that communication style in every single relationship they have. You might tend to be very very passive with your boss whereas you are much more aggressive with a certain friend or partner or much more assertive with your parents or something. You Usually we have a certain dynamic with people and we just kind of fall into a certain communication style with them. So try and assess all the major kind of like relationships in your life, major roles that you play in your life, and assess what kind of communication style you tend to use there. And try to be an assertive communicator. Once you've evaluated the styles that you have in different relationships, try to think of
0: a situation where you've been passive or aggressive in the past. And maybe brainstorm how that could have been different and then think of a situation you might have in the future. So maybe you have to ask your boss for some time off Um, and you tend to be really, really aggressive when you ask for it. Try to use those line strategies to make a plan before. You know how much we like making plans. Mm
1: -hmm. And then when you get in that situation, it's a lot easier. A really common thing that I love doing when I have to, when I know I have to have a difficult conversation and I know I need to be really assertive is to actually literally like write out like a script for that con- mm-hmm. for that conversation be like, these are all the things I want to say. Chances are by the time I get in that room, that script like might not be perfectly in my brain anymore, but at least I've practices, practiced like my main points enough that I know that I can be confident in being assertive in this, in this conversation. It's basically like convincing yourself that it's okay and that you can do it. Mm-hmm.
0: Because assertive communication is a skill that we learn, you're not just gonna, you're not gonna like listen to our podcast and be like, great, I'm an assertive communicator now. You're gonna have to practice. And the first time is gonna kind of feel feel really difficult if you're mm-hmm. if you're more used to being aggressive or passive. It's gonna be it's gonna be tricky, you might feel kind of icky doing it the first time because you're not quite comfortable. But over time it gets easier and easier and more natural,
1: and you just naturally fall into the assertive communication category. Mm-hmm. Another challenge that we have for you guys is if you are someone who has been struggling with uh, a mental health problem or just kind of struggling with your mental health in general, we want you to try and uh – Uses like a assertive communication style to communicate your wants and needs to the people in your life so something that can happen a lot is that when we struggle with either anxiety or depression or something like that we're really good at convincing ourselves that we're like worth less than other people or that our needs and wants are less important than other people so we really want you to try and think about uh, what are the wants and needs that you have kind of in relation to how you're struggling with your mental health are there certain things that you need from people more do you need more support from a certain person do you need a different kind of support from a certain person remember we talked about all the different ways people can support you Um, is there like a certain specific thing you need from someone try and like make a list of some of these needs that you have and try and practice communicating them to people you can even tell them like i'm not good at at sort of communication like this is something i'm trying like i'm kind of trying on i'm like trying to see if i can do this and just try and have that conversation obviously it's going to be easiest if you can pick a really safe person that you tend to you know have a bit better communication with and just try it out try and communicate some of these needs with people
0: And another really great thing is role play. It sounds really weird. Might might not done anything like this since like grade (laughs) six drama but it's really really helpful like if you're practicing um talking to maybe a romantic partner or like your boss Mm -hmm. then practicing with a close friend exactly like what you want to say and they can try to and then even having the person be you and then because you know like like your boss really well you can probably guess like what they might say and then you can kind of practice and bounce ideas off each other and when you get into that situation
1: it's just that much easier Exactly. A really great time that you should be using this is if you're someone who has been struggling with a mental health problem and you have maybe like a new friendship or a new like a romantic partner or something like that and you're trying to figure out basically how to communicate to them like what your needs are or things that you struggle with. This is an amazing chance to just role play with somebody and practice how you're going to tell these tell this new person basically what it's like to be you and what the things you needs are. Being an assertive communicator is not something you're born with.
0: You practice it. You get better at it. Absolutely. Thanks for sticking with us this week. We know that the struggle to talk about mental health and be mentally healthy is real.
1: But hopefully after this week, it's a lot easier. Remember that you can uh, give us a little, like, review on uh, on the podcast app, if that's something you want to do, on the iTunes. We don't really want any more uh, reviews on the YouTube pages. They're pretty gross. No, we tend to delete most of those. Please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you just want to tell us how wonderful we are, we don't want to hear some gross stuff. It's just weird. It's no. just, you're making it weird. You're making it weird. Everybody talks, everybody talks, everybody talks. It started with the whisper.